Hey everybody, I am Stephanie Goss and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling an email from the mailbag, but this one was a really general topic. And so there are some pieces that Andy and I really wanted to dive into. And so we made it our own um, and hopefully it is helpful to our original writer. They had listened to some episodes of the podcast and we were talking about having self-awareness and specifically they were asking, how do you help teach your team self-awareness? And so as we do, Andy and I filled in and colored in between the lines a little. And I think this one was a lot of fun to talk through and I am very excited for it. So let's get into it, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie. Before you accuse me, take a look at yourself, Goss. <laughs> That's such a perfect song. I love it. I, it's a, it is a good one. It is a good Eric Clapton acoustic song. I, I, I like that. I like that one a lot. How's it going, Andy Rourke? Oh, man. It's, I gotta tell you, it's, it's, it's toxically good. It's toxically good. I'm going to spray you with some goodness that's going to make you feel icky. I, I got up for six o'clock CrossFit this morning and it sucked so bad. It was, it was running and burpees. If you know what burpees are, you just throw yourself on the ground and get back up and then jump in the air. And that's one. And the workout was run for these set distances. You have a, a, a clock running down and you have to run as fast as you can. And then in whatever time you have left after you finish the run, you do as many burpees as you can before the time runs out and that's your score and then you do that multiple times and add your score together it was 37 degrees this morning which if you're canadian i don't know what that is for you it's like zero ish it's it's just awful it's 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 red face stinging nose snot running out of one nostril cold. That's what it is. It's 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 prickly needles in your hands. It's, it's cold. Two, it's two degrees Celsius. It's okay. It's two. Fine. But <laughs> it was it was dark outside. Uh-huh. I was running. My face was like burning red, and then I had to throw myself on the ground, and I did that for an hour. And when I got home, the cup of coffee that I had was the best cup of coffee I have had in my life. I was just, I was like the joy that I felt with my regular cup of coffee. It came right out of the old Dr. Andy espresso machine. And it, I was just like, have you ever had the cup of coffee when you're just like, this is, this is bliss. It's not even about the coffee. It's it's the warmth. And it's just, oh man. But I walked into my nice, toasty, warm house, and it was nice and quiet, and I got my coffee, and I drank it, and I was like, this is happiness that you can't have if you don't do something horrible and sucky beforehand. You know what I mean? I was going to say, that literally sounds like the most awful morning. (laughs) But the coffee, but the coffee was so good. Because the morning was so bad. And I'm like, 
isn't that beautiful? Like, I just think of this with I told you it was toxic. Mm-hmm. I told you there's some toxic stuff I was going to throw at you, and you're going to hate it. But I just want you to know that the, if you want to have the best cup of coffee in the world, you have to go run in the darkness and freeze your butt off <laughs> to make it feel that much better. Yes. I mean... I don't know that I would, even if my creaky old ass joints thought that they could do that, I don't know that I would voluntarily ever do that. But I hear you on doing something awful and then, yes, and then, you know, then well, feeling that joy. Well, it's, it's funny. It made me think about when I wrote about the jelly packets uh, this last year, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was like, Oh, we were on a camping trip with my family and basically we were eating the same thing like every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we took a ferry and on the ferry they had individually wrapped non-refrigeration requiring jelly packets. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, and like my children, like <laughs> you, you would have thought, you would have thought that I had, you know, opened a chest of gold for them. Like their eyes just open wide when they saw the strawberry jelly packets. And I was like, we can put this on our bagels. <laughs> And they, they were like, thank you, thank you, Dad. Everyone's like, oh. Like Tiny Tim. Have you, have you, exactly. Have you tried the grape? It's magnificent. It's, it's the cheap, cra- it's craft jelly. They're like, oh, this is, this is the best jelly I've ever had. Oh, so anyway, so funny. all of that to say, all of that to say, I was reminded again today that the sucky parts are what make the not sucky parts really Sure. Something good to remember when you're going through a hard time or you're miserable is, oh, man, going through stuff like this is what it takes so that the good parts really feel great. Well, I was (laughs) definitely uh, not up and at 6 a.m. CrossFit today. No, Uh, (laughs) no. I woke woke you up for the podcast. (laughs) It's so funny because I have, I I mean, I get asked this a lot because I live on the West Coast and we, our team is mostly at this point East Coast and everybody's, oh, but I actually am generally okay with getting up and starting my day at 4 a.m. because the trade-off is that we're all done by like 2 p.m. Pacific. And then I can, yeah. It's it's been wonderful for me because then I can actually be around to take kids to practices and do, you know, do family stuff. And it's, it, it's great. Um, except when you have a hard time sleeping or your kids are off school for mm-hmm. holidays and they're amped up and it's 11 p.m. and everybody in your house is still awake and you've been awake almost 24 hours at this point. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> and then you sleep, <laughs> you sleep until 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Pacific. And it was one of those mornings where I woke up and I like looked at my I looked at my phone and I went, Oh my god, I'm literally podcasting with Andy in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's it's winter break over here and we're we're all surviving. Uh, but I did I did do my last minute I did do some last minute Christmas shopping today and I am very oh, yeah? I guess I'm very thankful for Amazon because it's so funny my my kids have hit that stage where I'm not sure how they feel about things we still have belief in the Christmas season and and so like I never want to spoil that magic but I had some emergency I had some emergency shopping to do this morning because our letters to Santa this week had some totally left field game change yeah you know, it was just like oh okay <laughs> it's funny now we set that expectation pretty early on of like look it's a long way to the north pole and santa's not getting your letter if you don't send it <laughs> early for six weeks 
out. I mean, and I, just because otherwise they like, oh, I'll give you the example to it. It's when your kids used to order Halloween costumes and they'd yes. be like, I want to be Buzz Lightyear. And they were all about being Buzz Lightyear and they loved their Buzz Lightyear costume until the day before Halloween. Right. They were yeah. like, nope, hard left turn. I want to be a Ninja Turtle. Mace Windu from Star Wars. Yeah. And you're like, what? You can be Mace Windu in a big Buzz Lightyear right. suit is what you can be. But yeah, it, but it's the same thing of like, oh, I just found yep. a new thing that I'm going to ask for. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we, it was funny. Our, our youngest daughter said to us this year, she was like, all right, look, guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. I know about I know about Santa. And so I just want you guys to know that. And Allison looked right at her and goes, so you don't want Santa to come? And she's like, no, I still want Santa to come. Very much want Santa to come. I love like, it so much. We just thought, we said to him, do you want all of your presents to be wrapped or do you want to wake up and be surprised? And she's like, oh, I want to wake up and be surprised. And it was like, OK, well, I'm glad we talked about this so that we can continue to do the exact same thing that we've been doing. But now we all know that you're in on it. Congratulations. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, it's it's fun. Like I I have to say I, I I know that there will be days coming where I will absolutely hate being a parent of a teenager. But like I I'm still in that phase where I really love my kids at the age that they're oh, at right now. It's, I've had a good time. They're yeah. so fun and they are turning into little humans and I'm just it's, it just amazes me and I'm also so proud of them and I, I came out the other day and they've been on winter break this whole their last day of school was thursday last week so they've been around and i'm like look i still have to work you guys have got to occupy yourselves and figure it out and i came out the other day after we had had a, a bunch of stuff happening like back to back and they were together and they were doing i was like what are you guys? we got real quiet and i'm like what are you guys doing like when they're toddlers and it gets yeah. real quiet and you're like what am i what fresh hell am I about to find? And they were yeah. like, oh, we're making Christmas cards for everybody in our school. And we got everybody's addresses and we're going to mail them to them because we're not going to see them for three weeks. And we're sad. And I was like, I freaking wow. love you, little people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you How did you create people like that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, jerk. Yeah. If you were like, hey, we're just figuring out the getaway route we'll take when we rob a gas station. I'd be like, those are the goss kids. <laughs> those are the goss kids that I expected to those, show up. Those will be the goss kids when they're in their late teens and early 20s. <laughs> That's there's, a, yeah, there's like a map and three options on where to hide the body. I'd be like, yeah, that's that that's tracks. coming. That's <laughs> that's coming. Just let me just let me enjoy uh, the, the beautiful amazingness that is these early teenage years. It's so funny because that's one of the things that I have really enjoyed is like when your kids find something that they genuinely really love. And I it's it's funny because I haven't felt this as much since leaving the practice, because one of the things I love the most about being in the practice was finding those things in the team where everybody just gets to do the thing that they really like. And it's those moments of puppies and kittens. It's oh, those yeah. moments of someone hitting their first catheter like those moments of like pure joy and i i it's hard when you get to the teenage stage like they're surly and they don't talk to you about things <laughs> but that's the one thing that i will say is that my kids really love 
their school and it makes such a difference. I feel really bad because I we have friends whose kids hate school and the difference between though like the environment is so huge and i'm just really thankful that my kids are not robbing gas stations yet <laughs> yeah well they're young you know ironically uh this episode is about self-awareness and there's a lot of people who tuned in to actually hear us talk about managing someone who lacks self-awareness and it's not lost on me that we have not talked about we just we've talked about about jelly and CrossFit in the morning and Listen, shopping this trips. Is, this is what you get. This is what you all get when Andy and I are on Christmas break. You get an extra long intro yeah. of Andy and Stephanie. She's going to call this part one, and then next week we'll actually do the thing we came to do. No. Okay. okay. So let's, we got. Let's do this thing. This is a good okay. one. So we did. We got a great. We got a great mailbag episode. And I always love when we get the episodes where someone's like, "Hey, I've been listening to the podcast, and you guys said this thing," and I have to go back and go, "When did we say that? What the hell were we talking about?" <laughs> we got like two hundred and thirty episodes, and I people are like remember that one where you said this yes. thing, and I'm like, "Nope, no, no, I don't." Gosh, That's, bless. Oftentimes Google. I'm like, "What did I say?" And then I'm like, "That sound that." That's a, are you sure it was our podcast? (laughs) But they were like, you recently did an episode where you guys were talking about, and you called out technicians in the example, we called out a technician who apparently was lacking self-awareness. And they were like, but you did it in a good way. Like this technician had self-awareness and it was really Mm -hmm. positive. And they were like, how do you handle it when people on your team do not have self-awareness? And they were like, I am a manager and I've got someone who's who's really similar and they seem to have little to no self-awareness. And so I'm really struggling with how to deal with that because it seems like the longer I go on as a manager, the more and more common it is that I have team members who don't have any self-awareness and I'm really struggling with like, how do I teach this? And so I thought it was a great one. And also... I was like, I don't even, that's so huge. Like, I don't even know where we start unpacking that. It's a piece. Okay, so let's start talking about self-awareness at a, at a high level. It's sort of headspace here. But we need to start talking about what we mean when we mean self-awareness. So basically for me, the simple definition of self-awareness is the ability to see yourself, which I think is one of the greatest challenges in life. It is just headspace. It is very hard to see yourself. It is very hard to say, boy, when I say this, other people are going to look and and see the kindness that I feel in my heart or they're going to they're going to perceive me in the way that I imagine they're going to perceive me. I have I have lectured in front of tens of thousands of people. And I don't know how they see me when I'm done. I go, I hope they thought that I was relatable. I hope that they thought that I was compassionate, but I don't, maybe they saw me as the heartless business guy, or maybe they thought me, uh, saw me as, a, as an arrogant jerk who was like, this is how you're supposed to do it, or this is how I do it, and I'm the hero of this story. I hope they don't see me that way, but again, I don't, I don't know. Their perception is their perception. I've had people come up after I've done lectures and said, hey, you offended me when you said this thing, and I was like, oh, and then immediately go, oh, I did not mean this to be offensive or even to say it in a way that we'd find it offensive. 
But but then here's the other thing. I never know if the way that this person perceived me is the way that other people in the room perceive me. What if everyone was like, oh, Andy, ooh. what if this one person has experiences in their life that was like, oh, that joke about Ryan Gosling. It was specifically a story about Ryan Gosling. And he didn't he did not like the story. And and I'm like, oh, man, do I you know, am I coming off in a, in a, in a bad way to other people? I, you don't you don't know. And you can't tie yourself. This is a spectrum, right? You shouldn't tie yourself up in knots thinking about what other people think about everything you say and do. That's a miserable way to live. And being part of a team, being part of society and not even considering how you're perceived by other people or how they feel or how you're making them feel. That's also not acceptable. And so we're all trying to find the middle. And again, I personally have tend to track over too far towards the I think a lot about what people, what are people thinking, you know, are they, am I communicating clearly? Are they seeing me the way I want? And I think over my life, I have started to swing a little bit back more towards the other side, which is to say, well, you know, I'm pretty com- comfortable in my own skin and, and I, I still care. I care what people think. I don't want to be unaware, but I have moved a little bit back more towards, you know, sort of saying, well, you know, I need to be straightforward and, and some people might not like it. And that's that's more okay than I used to think that it was. So anyway, I don't know. Does that make sense as far as just defining self awareness of it's it's your ability to see yourself is is what we're talking about. It, it it is well, and I think seeing yourself is like self recognition, right? You see how you are perceived. You see how you might be perceived, right? And mm-hmm. to your, to your point, like you're looking at yourself and you're like, oh. I recognize now that some people might find this offensive. That was not my intention. And I think being able to see yourself at that level is is really, really important. And and I think self-awareness, particularly when we're talking about it in terms of the team's behavior, often goes a little bit beyond that in the sense that it gets really the ability to recognize and understand how your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors, your actions how that impacts others in the sense of like knowing yourself, knowing what your strengths are. And and this is where it tends to come up as an examples in the clinic. You know, we, we tend to ask people when we're interviewing them, you know, what are what are your strengths mm-hmm. and what are your weaknesses? And when I ask that, when I ask, tell me, tell me about something that you know is a, is a challenge for you as a person. And tell me what you've done to work on that. And when I ask people that question in interviews, I often get very surface answers, which is actually okay with me because what I'm really looking for is I'm looking for those people who do have developed self-awareness and who could look at me and say, I know that my time management skills are a challenge for me. And so like particular like example would be if I'm interviewing a doctor, if I have a doctor who says to me, I love talking to people. And so I can be challenging in the exam rooms because I really want to get to know my clients. And so I know that I can struggle with time management in the exam room. And here's the skills that I've been working on to work with my tech team to improve on that and have less impact to their day and to the rest, everybody else's schedules as a result, right? That's a great example of true self-awareness. It's like when you and I, you and I are very similar and we are both high eyes on the, on the disc scale. We'd love to talk to people. We're like big golden retrievers and we both struggle with follow through. And you know, an example of that for, for me is like when we have a team meeting, I'm like, Hey, can you help me capture 
the things that are assigned to me because I will totally talk about them. And when we have the conversation, I have the best of intentions of doing the things. But if it doesn't get written down for me as a task, I might not get to it, right? That's self-awareness is knowing not only what your strengths and weaknesses are, but potentially how it impacts other people. And I think that's when we talk about it in the clinic as a negative thing, it tends to be when we have team members where we feel like we're coaching them to do to get better at something and they just don't seem to get it. <laughs> that's that's where I see managers often going, oh, this person is totally, you know, not self-aware and they have no idea. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It does. I mean, I, let me let me throw out a couple of things that because I was sitting down thinking about this because when we talk about this managing without self-awareness, it, it really helps to have some examples. And so examples that I have seen, I, and these are just sort of throughout my career, I, I have talked to a manager or owner or medical director who was complaining about someone who worked at their front desk. And they were like, you know, these people, you just, you're trying to get good people up there and empower them, do good work, but you know what? You just can't fix stupid. And they said this in front of a group of people. And I was like, here you are talking about improvements that need to be made by this person when you yourself are are demonstrating behaviors that are less acceptable you know what i mean like it's just the the mentality and i get i get being frustrated but it was also when we're actively talking about trying to develop somebody and you're like well i can't fix stupid well it was just it was just sort of a lack of awareness of, of what the culture they were sort of trying to create was. I've seen people, they'll be, they'll they'll round their staff up and they're like, guys, we are not going to bash clients. If I hear any client bashing, this is gonna be the end. And then they're the ones who come out of the room and roll their eyes. I'm like, man, you're you're writing everybody and then you're doing these things. And if I said something to the person, they would say, well, I didn't, I'm not bashing that client. And I'm like, if you don't see the impact that you're having, that's a lack of self-awareness because you are having this impact on others that you clearly don't see. There's the blame thrower, right? The blame thrower is the person who cannot see that they have made a mistake, which is, there ain't nothing wrong with making mistakes. We all make mistakes. We should just lean into that. But it's that person who, if you say, hey, you didn't clean the exam room before you left last night, you know, after I asked you to do it, they would say, oh, well, I, you know, I thought that somebody else, because, you know, they had said that they were going to help me wrap up. I thought that they were going to do it. And it was like, no, you're, you're just dodging responsibility here and you're having this impact on the team but you're not willing to own your mistakes and you're trying to throw them onto other people and everybody sees you doing this but you don't seem to recognize again the impact that you're having or the fact that isn't helping you or the fact that everybody sees this and this behavior is toxic you you just don't you don't have the self-awareness to get that there's people who uh, they don't listen they will go to meetings or they won't read their emails or they'll they'll be in the conversation in the clinic about what we're going to do or change or address the situation. And then five minutes later, they're like, I don't what were we doing? And again, everybody spaces out. This is, you know, to to we all space out the difference in, hey, I spaced out and hey, I'm lacking self-awareness is the pattern of behavior. And the willful lack of understanding about the fact that it's frustrating to everybody else to explain to you yet again what we all came together and talk about. And it's like, 
when people get mad and they're like, this meeting could have been an email, it couldn't have been an email. You know why? Because there are people like this who won't read their email and they won't know what's going on if you don't bring them together and beat them over the head. And even after that, they still won't know because they just tune out and uh, and they don't understand the negative effects of that behavior. And the, the the last one I'll throw out real quick is just there are people who who are they're constantly negative. They are constantly negative. And being negative, having a hard day, that's that's one thing. But it's amazing how and you guys all know this. You've had this person who they, and maybe they're going through a hard time in their life or whatever, but like every word out of their mouth is negative. Every word. And it's just being around them makes you feel bad. It's not that self-awareness is being negative. It's that a lack of self-awareness is not recognizing you only have negative things to say and people are wanting to spend less time with you because you make them feel bad because you never stop complaining. And so that that's a lack of self-awareness. Yeah, and right. I think I think on the flip side of that, the example of someone who has a tendency to be negative and actually mm-hmm. is self-aware would be the person who you know, comes to somebody else on the team and is, hey, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about, you know, how we're doing on time management in the exam room. And I know that I have a tendency to get negative and I have really strong feelings on this, this topic. Can you help me in this meeting today by if I'm like giving me a signal, if I'm getting super negative and I'm just not letting things go or whatever, right? It's recognizing those things that you are, are, like I said, they're not always weaknesses. And I think the tendency as leaders is to look at lack of self-awareness. And to your point earlier, is just call people out for having a lack of self-awareness because you're looking at it as a negative. But having self-awareness is a true superpower. And so it should be looked at positively in the sense that people should be able to call out not only their weaknesses and their challenges, but their strengths as well. And know when that strength is helpful and also when that strength can be a hindrance in a specific situation. And so I think being able to celebrate that self-awareness. And I think for a lot of us, we want to be able to celebrate it, but we often look at it. It's one of those tools that I see getting used to your point in the negative a lot where people are like bashing the team for not having it and not doing the thing. And then they're doing things that are at the same time, examples of not being self-aware. And it's, 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 it's a tricky beast. Sure. Well, I think I think you did a really nice service there for me, which is pointing out the behaviors I said by themselves are just human behaviors. Right. And we all have our things. And I thought that was a great example of if you're someone who tends to have a negative reaction to new information, saying to someone, hey, if I start to to take this in a negative meeting or sound negative about what's going on, can you give me a signal? I think that that's great. I think asking ahead of time, hey, is it okay if I just listen to this meeting and collect my thoughts and then ask some questions later or come back later on? Because again, I I do have a tendency sometimes to where my first reaction can be negative to new ideas, which means if it's my idea, I love it. If it's your idea, I'm a bit skeptical, but I think about it and I come back around. I know that my first reaction tends to be negative. And so I really try hard not to shoot ideas down when they're presented to me and just let them breathe. I'll give you the example of not listening. I'm kind of a shiny object kind of guy. And I am on a bit attention what? deficit disorder. You? It's true. 
It is. I I take notes in meetings, right. not because I plan to do anything with the notes, because I know that me actively taking notes will make me listen and pay attention. Yeah. yeah. And I do it because I know the weaknesses that I have. I know myself in that way. And so I do it. And so it's not that I'm saying you should listen as a guy who struggles to listen. Right. Is you should recognize that this is a weakness of yourself and take steps to correct it. And that's that's the type of self-awareness that we're talking about. But how do you how do you teach that? Yeah, it's well, it's hard. It's really hard, right? And I think that has actually been one of the hardest pieces of my journey as a as a manager and as a leader, because it's really easy for for people to hear as a as a leader when you talk to someone on your team about their own self-awareness the first inclination it's just human nature is when someone brings up something that we're doing or something yeah usually a behavior Mm -hmm. uh first inclination is to they're like they're crapping on me like they're criticizing me right and i'll I'll give give you guys an example so i am a very expressive person shocking i know so i vividly remember one day when you (laughs) called me and you were like hey can i talk to you for a second and i Mm -hmm. and you said and i said sure and you were like listen you are a super expressive person and that (laughs) is wonderful in that you get really excited and you have the ability to just make everybody feel the joy that you're feeling because they look at your face and they can see it super positive right and and great and also and you're like and you are just as expressive and when you're not happy or when you are thinking negative thoughts or you have your processing your face can look not so fun and p- and people see that right and so if i was not self-aware i could hear that piece and immediately be like andy's criticizing me he's telling me that i am not a team player i could hallucinate a million different things yeah. about what you just said and someone who is self-aware and i'm gonna you know I, i'm gonna pat myself on the back for a second you i was should. like Oh, I know my, I know my, (laughs) my face because it's been a lifelong challenge, you know, and I immediately when you, in this instance, when you said it to me, I knew the look that was probably on my, (laughs) on my face because I, because I'm, because I'm aware of it. Right. And so instead of looking at it as a criticism, I was like, oh, this is Andy being constructive and helping me. And so I, I, I didn't look at it in the negative. And I think that's the hardest part for us as leaders is that we're often not great when it comes to teaching this as a skill at getting people to move beyond hearing what we've said as a criticism and teaching them how to be empowered by the idea of self-awareness. And yeah. so I think that's, I think that's part of what makes it so hard. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I look at, I look at self-awareness in two phases, okay? So so imagine a scenario and there is a behavior that I do that is perceived negatively and then I receive feedback on that behavior yes. and then I accept that feedback, okay? Right. There are people who can't do any part of that. Like right. they they don't they can't accept the feedback. And yes. that's that's a really hard that's a really hard person to manage person who just denies or defends or blames someone else right like that's mm -hmm. exactly so that's really hard now the step up from that is the person who accepts feedback which is a huge step up right this is the person who is coachable which is again i think that self-awareness is the most underrated leadership skill there is it really is because if i can 
give you feedback and you tell me I'm wrong, you blame somebody else, you refuse to hear it, my ability to lift you up, to make you successful, to grow you in our organization is very, very limited. And so that ability to take feedback is critically important. The Jedi level, right, the enlightened level is this. I do something that is perceived negatively and I recognize in the moment or on reflection that it was probably perceived negatively or I think back and say, I should not have gotten frustrated like that or I wish I had paused instead of just reacting negatively. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm giving myself that feedback and then I'm going to accept the feedback from myself and make a change. Mm -hmm. And so those are the three levels, right? So the first person goes, I'm not taking feedback from myself because mm -hmm. I don't think I did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly I'm not taking it from you. Mm -hmm. That person is very hard to deal with. If they don't choose to change that mentality, I don't think there's anything we can do to help them, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. Like I can't make someone take feedback. And if they refuse to take feedback, I, I usually they're they're going to get cut loose. I just you can't grow them. And especially if they have a negative behavior and it's it's they're not going to get better. They fall squarely into my category of remember the difference in a struggling business and a thriving business. The struggling business has the same problem again and again and again. Right. And the thriving business has a new problem every day. Right. And if this person won't change, they are the problem that I have a again and again right. and again and I can't do that and so that has they have to go. And so that first person is is hard. The the person who can't see themselves in best case scenario is the second person who is the one who will take feedback if you give it to them but they can't give it themselves. And the person who is who has self-awareness is every day they're having a stimulus, they're evaluating what they see, they're giving themselves feedback and they're improving because they want to get better. Mm -hmm. And so that's key. Now when you look at these second two people who take feedback and who take feedback from themselves, think about a training program, right? Think about a training program. Think about physical therapy. You've been yeah. injured. And in the first case, you only work out when the physical therapist is there. They come to you. They say, all right, this is what I need you to do. And you're like, I'm going to do it while you're here. Right. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to stop and I'm going to be done until you come to me again and give me another exercise to do versus the physical therapist comes to you, they say, this is what I need you to do. And you say, I'm going to do it and I'll do it on my own. And right. I will continue to think about it and do it and work it into my routine. Right. And then when you see the physical therapist again, you have been building those muscles. You have gotten healthier. You've gotten stronger. Right. And so that that's the, that's the superpower of self-awareness is it allows for this very rapid growth that you don't get if you're just taking feedback. But that growth is exponentially greater than the growth you get if you don't take any feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think the hard part for a lot of managers is why we got this email, which is, okay, I, when you do understand that and you see it, you're like, how do I, how do I teach that? You know, like how, how do I get them? How do I, how do I get them to learn and move from the different levels that you just laid out? How do I get them to move from step one to step two and ultimately yeah. get them to, to, to level three, right? And that's the hard part. I agree. I think we should take a break okay. and we should come back and hit some action steps of if you have this person, you've got someone who's struggling with the, the types of issues we're talking about. How do you work with them? And so right, let's 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 take some shots at it when we get back. OK. Hey, friends, I am here for a quick second to hype our upcoming April Uncharted conference. Why? Not because I think it's going to be in an awesome spot for our last time for a little while in downtown Greenville, South Carolina at the beautiful Weston Point Set Hotel. Not because we have an awesome kick-ass lineup of speakers, if I do say so myself. 
I am not speaking, but we have got a wonderful lineup, including some of my faves in industry. We have got Bill Schroeder, we've got Craig Spinks, we've got Maria Perita, we've got Dr. Sarah Wolf. We have inside and outside the industry experts. That's right, we've got some outside the industry marketing expertise that is coming to the stage and uh, in the version of our friend Vicki Hammond. And she is the Senior VP of Marketing for a marketing, a big marketing firm. And I am super excited to uh, have you all get to meet her and nerd out about marketing. So, and of course, the one and only Dr. Andy Rourke will be there as well. And so we've got an all-star lineup, but that's not what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the fact that I don't want you to miss out on this awesome opportunity to network, to talk about your practices with your peers, to participate in our unique and different style of conference where you're not just sitting in lectures, you're actually workshopping and working on your business while you're with us. Not going to talk to you about any of that. What I am going to talk to you about is the fact that I don't want you to miss out on your last chance for early bird pricing. So if you listen to the podcast, you know that early bird pricing is already closed for our podcast listeners and for our Uncharted members. However, we set up a special second level early bird pricing where it's still cheaper than it's ultimately going to be for full conference registration pricing. And if you don't go register before February 18th, you're going to miss out on that. So early bird pricing is still happening, but it's closing February 18th. Don't miss out on your chance to go if you are an Uncharted member for $849 or if you're not an Uncharted member for $13.49. So if you're thinking you wanna go, you've been on the fence, don't miss out on your last chance to get a lower price point. Otherwise, it's gonna go to full registration price on February 19th and not a minute later. So don't miss out. Head on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events today and register because I wanna see you there in Greenville, South Carolina in April. Don't miss out. And now back to the podcast. All right. So training self-awareness is really hard. As I, as I said before the break, it's my opinion that if you will not accept feedback, then I can't train you. I can't, I can't beat on you. I'm not willing to beat on you metaphorically uh, to, to get you to change when you don't want to change. Like that's not that's not a feasible, realistic thing in a work environment. And it's definitely not part of the culture that I want to have. Now, I grew up watching movies about high school football teams where the coach, you know, put the kids through hell and they were transformed through this constant toil and torment. And I'm like, that's not where I want to work. I don't want to work at your football camp. Right. You know, yeah. I want to work at a vet clinic where we all laugh and have fun and we're nice to each other. I, I'm not interested in making a crucible that's going to transform someone who doesn't want to grow or develop or transform themselves. And so for me, a lot of that is this can be a deal breaker as far as employee is like part of our core values is growth, development, lifelong learning, you know, and if you're not willing to take feedback and grow and develop, then you, that's a failure of our core values. And that's that's kind of a deal breaker in you being part of our team. Yes, I think I, I totally I totally agree with you. And I think one of the most powerful lessons that I learned as a leader, it was someone someone said to me once we were talking about because a lot of this has to do with giving giving feedback. And to your point, if someone isn't willing to grow and change, they're probably not a good fit. If that's the culture that you're developing, they're probably not a good good fit. 
And someone once said to me when we were talking about feedback, before you can point the finger at someone else, you have to take a look at the at least four fingers that are pointing back at yourself. And it was so it was so simple. And in the moment, I was just like, I remember writing it down and but I didn't understand. And I think Mm -hmm. when it comes to self-awareness, it is really, really important because you cannot ask others to do the thing that you're not willing to do yourself. And so I think when it comes to teaching self-awareness, it has to start with the it has to start with you as as a leader because you have to be willing to look at your own self and learn i think you have to be the guinea pig i i think the answer is you cannot teach someone else self-awareness if you are not working on your own self-awareness first and so yeah. i think it starts with learning about what is self-awareness and learning how to develop and hone those skills for yourself because you may be someone who is a level two, you might even already be a level three. But if you're not consistently demonstrating to your the behaviors that are going to help them see what you mean when you give them the feedback, it's not going to it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So I think for me, action step number one is learning about self-awareness and guinea pigging and practicing and teaching yourself. Ooh, I do like that. I would say so I would say this when we talk about giving feedback on self-awareness, I am very wary to tell people that they lack self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a good label. Yeah. And even though we've been talking about it, but here's why. Hear me out. Self-awareness is a character trait. Yes. It's like being smart, being right. kind, being self-aware. And yes. if you say to me, Andy, you are not kind, that is an attack on me as a person. A character, If yep. you say, Andy... The team does not perceive you as being kind when you exhibit this specific behavior. Yes. That yes. is not an attack on me as a person. That's very it's, different. It's something you can change. Exactly. Yeah. And and while you say, well, people can become self-aware, it's like, yeah, they can also become strong and they can become fast, but those aren't behaviors. Those are still characteristics they have to work on and change. And so I'm not saying that saying someone lacks self-awareness is inaccurate because we just spent the first half an hour talking all about how that's true. So I do believe it. But it's not when we communicate to someone else saying, hey, you lack self-awareness. That's not... I don't find that to be a useful label. I think it 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 devastates people or makes them feel like they have failed as a person or they're being judged. Right. I'm much more likely to try to narrow in on the behavior. And I'll talk about empathy. I'll talk about the perception that you're setting an example that doesn't line up with the, what you asked the staff to do. So the client bashing, you know, I, I need, we need to talk because there's a perception that while you say you don't want to bash clients, you're doing things like rolling your eyes that send the signal that you do want to bash clients or that's what's being perceived by the staff. Yeah. And I need you to know that. And let, let's talk about what we're doing around around clients. And that is a much easier conversation than, hey, look, we need to talk about your self-awareness. Yeah. And like, that's just, that's just night and day different. So I would, I would think about self-awareness, but I would coach and give feedback, not about self-awareness, but rather by the impact that their behaviors are having. Well, and I think both, I think that 
certainly saying someone is lacking self-awareness is la- is labeling them, right? And that is, yeah. that is closed-ended because they can't change that. If you give right. someone a label, removing that label is very, very hard. And most people give up before they even start. They're like, well, they already think I'm a jerk or they already think that I'm not self-aware. So why would I, you know, why would I even try and fix this? And I would actually argue that even telling them like there's a perception problem feels like, Oh gosh, if everybody thinks that I'm not self-aware, like it, it's a, it's a spiral potential. I love what you said about rolling your eyes. And I think if you said to somebody, Hey, I, you know, I wanted to talk to you for a second today when you came out of the room with Mrs. Smith and you said to Sarah in the hallway, gosh, she was so nasty and you were rolling your eyes about the fact that she rolled in five minutes late with her Starbucks in her hand and it inconvenienced your whole day. That moment was a great example for client bashing, right? And I know that that you, I'm not saying that you do it regularly. I'm not even saying it's a pattern of behavior. It's a one and done. And when we give feedback and we give people an example or even several examples, it is still changeable. It's not a label. It's not a permanent. It's not a close-ended door. It's a, hey, this thing happened. And in the future, you can make sure that it doesn't happen again. Like you can change it. You can make it different. And I think that's the difference in how we coach and getting someone to actually accept the feedback has to do with that close-ended door, right? It's like I'm labeling you and I'm writing you off before we even start. Well, I think I think your example there opens up a couple of things that I wanted to put in our action steps. So in order okay. to do what you just said, step one is creating a culture of honesty and feedback. Or, yeah, a, a, sure. a culture of honesty and trust so that you can give the feedback. And so yeah. for a lot of people, it's the ability to say to the person, hey, when this happened, this is what came out of it. And so right. if if you're like, wow, I love the way that she said that, that's straight out of our coaching and feedback course that we have in our leadership essential certificate. And so if you're like, oh man, I would like to give feedback like that, that's that's where that comes from. And so you can pull it on the Uncharted website or over at Vetfolio. Anyway, that you've got to be able to talk to somebody like that, you know? And so one of the big things is trying to build trust with, with it's just knowing your people, trying yeah. to build trust with your people so that you can give them that feedback and say, hey, when you did this, it was an example of what we were talking about. Yes. And, and I think that that is, I'm so glad that you said that because that for me is really like the step two. So I said step number one was looking at it yourself. And the yeah. reality is, is that giving feedback and taking feedback have to be a two-way street. And so as a leader, if you want to create that culture of trust and honesty and the ability to give and take feedback, it has to start with you. And that's where for so many of us, we get caught up in our role as a quote unquote manager is to direct other people to do the things that we want to do. And we forget about the fact that if if that's all we do, all we're doing is creating culture of do as I say, not as I do. We have to be willing to look at our own actions and put it out there in front of the team to say, hey, guys, you know, at the at the end of the day, a really self-aware practice owner or doctor in the example I use, like if they come out of the exam room and they're talking smack about a client, even if I've had to mention it to them as a manager, a really self-aware owner or leader would be like, end of day huddle, hey, guys. I realized that I came out of the room today and I was irritated 
because Mrs. Smith was 15 minutes late and it was screwing up my afternoon. And I, and I, you know, was smack talking and I realized that I did that. And I'm, you know, I just wanted you guys to know, I don't, I don't want us to client bash. I realized that I did it and it's, you know, it's not okay. And I just want you to know if you see me doing it, please call me on it. Cause I want you guys to, to, I don't want any of us to do it myself included. Right. Yeah. And it's that ability to own it for yourself and put it out there in front of your team. If you're not willing to do that, you can never teach someone else that skill if they don't see you being willing to do it first. Yeah. I, so I, I agree with that. I, other things I'm sort of pulling out of this is remember, remember that clear is kind here. Uh, you need you need to speak in specifics. If this person truly lacks self-awareness and you're like, uh, you know, you just, you know, like when when things got unpleasant in the treatment room today, if they're not self-aware, they don't know what, what the hell you're talking about. about. Yeah. They have no idea. Like you need to say, <laughs> when you did this, it's an example of what we're talking about. And yeah. so you need to clear as kind, speak in specifics, you know, yeah. talk to them about the specific thing that you're, that you're talking about. And then, you know, right here, some people go, well, shouldn't I talk to them about self-awareness overall? And I, and I think I think that's the hardest part of this, but I think it, it usually takes care of itself is if you catch these behaviors and you have these conversations and you give these feedback and you can get, get heard, oftentimes you will teach people the skills of self-awareness that they will apply in other areas. Yes. If that makes sense. It totally And so is. if I can get the person to understand how they're affecting the staff, oftentimes... They will, they will learn about themselves. They will start to learn about their ways of working. And then we can apply those things to the clients or we maybe we'll get them to apply those things to their communication with clients, you know, separately. Mm-hmm. And so don't, don't lose sight of, this is one of those opposite ones of don't get lost in the forest when you're focusing on individual tree. Look at this specific example and fix the thing that's in front of you and talk about that thing and continue to work on it, continue to make progress. If you can make progress, picking an example and working on it and picking an example and working on it, ultimately we can build those muscles so these people can can expand what we're teaching out to other areas. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what happens is people don't know how to fix what's in front of them because they're focused on the big nebulous self-awareness problem. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, it's it's in my in my experience big nebulous self-awareness is too big to fix really so figure out what the specific things are and coach to those things and i think the last thing action step wise for me here is that as a leader you absolutely have to i mean we've talked about this on the podcast a million times Mm -hmm. humans are simple animals and how do we train and have it be most effective is with rewarding positive behavior and rewarding the behavior that we want right and so i think as leaders a lot of us think about self-awareness and we're like, oh, I need to coach to this when it's not going well. And that's the wrong way to look at it. Especially if you have someone who you feel like is really not self-aware, your job as a leader is to coach to the moments where they are being self-aware and praise them for doing it. And if you forget that piece of it, it's not going to go as well as you want. And so when you are intentionally like, hey, I have this person and I really want to work on their self-awareness skills, part of the action planning for yourself is going, okay, what am I going to do to catch them being good, right? What am I going to do to acknowledge and be like, hey, 
today. If you have a person who, a great example from, from my own past is I had a team member who would talk over everybody in the team meeting and they wouldn't raise their hand. They would just blurt. And it was like, you know, they, they were the big voice in the room. And when we started working, a lot of it was on tone and the way that they were coming at, like, to your point, the perception of the team was like, they don't care what anybody else says. They only want to get out their point and then they stop listening. And so we had mm-hmm. been doing some ongoing work. And so for me, the goal was, I needed to look at this not as, okay, this person is, I want, they're at A, I want them to get to Z, and I've only seen them get to B and being frustrated by that, <laughs> yes. right? As, that's so yeah. easy place to go as a leader. For me, I had to sit down and write my own action plan, which was, okay, if I want them to go from A to Z, I want to continually reward them. And so it started with things like, hey, thanks for letting other people speak up in the meeting yes. today. I noticed that yep. you, you know, I noticed that you did, I noticed that you, you, blurted out, but you were raising your hand. And I really appreciate that. That's a great step in the right direction. Thanks for doing that thing. Right. And it became measured over time where I was looking for the end result was like, Hey, I mean, we had to institute a talking stick because of this person. And, And it became easier when I was like, oh, hey, we didn't even need this talking stick at all today. And then it was like, hey, we haven't needed the talking stick for the last five meetings. And like, I really, I know how hard you've been working and I just really wanted to call you out and say, hey, thanks, you know? And it's a rewarding that positive behavior and figuring out how you're going to catch them doing the good thing more than you're giving them feedback that it's still, the, the negative thing is still happening. Well, I mean, I I think that there's a point there, too, and we talk about this a lot, but, you know, we talk a lot about training, and I don't care how smart you are, you're a simple animal, and and when we think about, when you think about, say, just training dogs, we can train dogs, and we train them with positive reinforcement. I don't think dogs have self-awareness. I think that they, you know, like, they're not self-aware. They're not thinking about the impact their behavior. When Skipper Rourke jumps up on people, he's not thinking about, when Skipper Rourke raided the Christmas hiding place and ate my dark chocolate orange that my wife got for me because it's my favorite thing in my stocking every year, and then I had to make him throw up. He wasn't thinking about the ripple effects his behavior had. Um... (laughs) But Skipper can be trained by positive reinforcement. Same thing, same thing here is, you know, we can, we can always try to move people in the right direction by praising the behavior that we want to see. And a lot of yeah. times we get so focused on fixing problems that we stop training the positives. And quite honestly, the positives are a great way to get people moving in the right direction and celebrate them. And we ask yeah. people to make sacrifices or do things that are hard for them. And then we don't celebrate them for succeeding at those things, those little things. And a lot of times people go, well, that's so small, should I celebrate it? it was like, Remember when you would train, right? Mm-hmm. We just, when, when we're teaching a, a dog its name, we praise it and give it treats just for looking at us when we mm-hmm. say its name, even if it's tr- probably looking at something else. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, close enough. Right? <laughs> Let's reward it. And again, I don't care how smart you are. You're a simple animal. And this is how we all get trained this way. And yeah. So, anyway, I, I think that's really important. I got two resources that I would put down real okay. quick that I think are good if I people are up for it. I love it. Um, you, you and I are big fans of DISC. Yeah. And so we, we teach DISC at Uncharted. DISC is communication styles. It's how people communicate. I think DISC is a great tool for people who are trying to learn self-awareness or need to learn self-awareness because it shows you very clearly that people communicate differently yes. and it talks to you. It's a, it you it's a, take the test. It tells you what 
type of communicator you are, and it tells you how people perceive you positively, and it tells you how people perceive you negatively. Right. And a lot of people's minds are blown when they're like, what do you mean I'm too direct? What do you mean that people get frustrated because I'm unwilling to change? Or, you know, and like, that's that's a big dose of self-awareness. If if you look at and go, none of this is true, mm, I would... I would reconsider. But yes. if you're willing to look at it and just say, how do I communicate? How do others communicate? How do they perceive me? And how do I perceive them? I think that's a very big, practical, pragmatic step towards some self-awareness. Well, and it's a it's a, it's a, a tool that looks at communication behaviors. It's not a personality assessment. So it's not, it's a thing you can, yep. it's a thing you can change, right? It's about specific behaviors that, that you, absolutely can make actionable change on. And so it doesn't label someone in the way of, oh, this is just my personality. I can't change it. Yeah. The other resource that I would give is uh, VLE, the Veterinary Leadership Experience. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, like a week-long kind yeah. of summer camp. I think it's in June. It is, yeah, it's kind of a I don't want to sell it short or say it in a different way. It's it, it's it's a it's a leadership training experience, but it's it's kind of like an outward bound type of type of program. I mean, it's 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 outdoors. It's a lot about resilience. It's a lot about sort of self-awareness. It's a lot about empathy. It, it's it's sort of working together, stripping away a lot of the, you know, the the practical vet medicine parts to focus yes. on the human parts, the interactive parts. Yes. And, and if people have never done anything like that, it can be really eye-opening to see people deeply and to see and see how you're perceived and to see and hear how, how you know how your how your actions impact other people. And so anyway, yes. it is a um, it can be a life changing experience for people. So anyway, yes. but if, if that's something if you've never heard of it, or you should you should definitely look at it. Um, I have I have one hundred percent seen teams talk practice owners, medical directors, managers into going to something like this and then be really happy with sort of the experience those people had and, yes. and how they start to sort of look at look at the team a little differently coming out of it. So anyway, yeah. DISC and then VLE, the Veterinary Leadership Experience. Those are just sort of two resources that come to my mind um, if people want to invest. Yeah. Those are great. We'll drop links in the show notes for both of those for everybody. So they're in there and you can check it out if you've not heard or used either of those tools. This was this was kind of fun. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how, without the examples, how helpful people thought that this was. But I thought we got into some good ones. I'm, yeah. I, uh, I had a lot of fun. This was, this was great. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. Yeah, have a great week. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. Thanks for joining us and spending your week with us. If you enjoyed this week's episode, head over to wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way to let us know that you love listening. We'll see you next time.